Ice caps are melting. War in the Middle East. Lakers, Celtics back at it. I don't know. Rich getting richer, poor getting poor. Cell phones, online dating, Wi-Fi. What's Wi-Fi? Why are we seeing the Lincoln? A digital device? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it doesn't really it doesn't really upset me that much. I don't care. <laughs> Jay, which kind of body are you trapped to? Um, you know what? He's the number number one podcast number one podcast on Ricochet. Episode 71 of Flyover Country. We have a guest today. It is Tom Meyer. First time on the show. <laughs> first time, first it's my, time it's caller, long time listener? <laughs> it's my first third time. <laughs> it, it couldn't, it's not even your first third time, I don't think. It's like your first sixth time. Maybe. You might be keeping hey. better track. Hey, right? guys. <laughs> hey. Hi, Tom. Um, I, so, we are starting a... We're going to see, this is an experimental series, all right? Last week, we got a lot of positive feedback. If by positive feedback, you mean intensely negative feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Because Terry and I, we're we're basically, we were just responding to my conversations with Jamie. (laughs) Which we should, we'll have Jamie on and then maybe we'll go back to that topic. Um. But that's what, what happens that to- when you. What was that topic, Ryan? We were no, we were just talking about um, levels of disgruntledness with Trump versus capability of virtually ignoring Trump, right? That I think that was it. Yes, and that was basically. I was speaking to the listeners. Where we drew, that's basically what it came down to. I, I think that's kind of the sort. That's really the disagreement, honestly. Um, because when. Because, you know, let's say that it's like, like our conversation earlier today. This is getting so inside baseball. I apologize to all the new listeners we have this week. Um, if <laughs> uh, And for making fun of them as well. But um, And for using the term inside baseball. So if – no, that's a good term. That's an okay term to use. So if, so if Jamie says, has any, has any prior administration um, been so disorganized, right? Like then – and my response is – honestly, in my head, my response is I don't care – what you know whatever but but really that's the disagreement is whether you care because the answer to that question may be it could be no right it could be no there hasn't been a lot of internal turmoil in prior administrations to the extent of this one it could be yes there has been but we just didn't keep records of it so with trump type stuff it's like it like it getting to ricochet most of our listeners are ricochet members you know uh if if someone like Fred or someone puts up a post, are you okay with this? Then maybe the answer is, well, no, not really, but I'm just not focused on that. Right. And, and I think that's primarily where the disagreement is, is, is whether, whether, whether you want to be focused on those types of things or not. 
And there is going to inevitably be some level of hypocrisy because when you have a, dem a democratic, a Democrat in office, then sometimes you focus a little bit more on those nitpicky type things. Does that make sense? I, it does. I, I I have a quick thought on this, uh, and yeah. we should we should get to other other things as well. Of course. So, so since, we're, to... since we're pitching this as the non-Trump uh, podcast, <laughs> so so actually two quick thoughts. The first one is simply. Everybody needs to chill. <laughs> yeah. It, not everything is at 11. We, we can all just relax. Maybe, you know, not everything is either the greatest thing that's ever happened or the worst thing that's ever happened. Are you sure, though? I feel like maybe. Pretty sure. Pretty okay. sure. Okay. 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 We'll go with that. Okay. The, the second one, and this is kind of a new, this is kind of a new thought, but I, I think it gets to a lot of things. Most things the president does. Trump doesn't do things in half measures. The things he does are either really good or they're really bad. They tend to be one or the other. It's hot or cold. How people so how people evaluate the administration tends to depend on what on what things they prioritize. So even people who basically agree on any individual issue, yes, this was good. No, that was bad. They can come to really different con conclusions based on how highly they weight any given, any gi any given issue or, or thing the president says or thing the president does. This doesn't explain all the differences because people do actually have sometimes different, you know, substantive differences. But a lot of the times, I think it's more an I think it's more an emphasis. Like I like most disagreements about the president, either on ricochet or off, among conservatives, boil down to. Why aren't you more excited about this? Or why aren't right. you more angry about this? Right. It's not, it's not, I'm not angry. It's not like, yeah, that's, that's my spiel. No, I think you're totally, I think you're totally right. And I, and I, I don't know if I mentioned it last week when Terry and I were talking about it, but it, something that really kind of annoyed me was um, Jonah Goldberg on his remnant pot. I think it was on his remnant pot. And I, and I'm a huge Jonah Goldberg fan it doesn't i mean i love jonah but and i would love to have him on the that that it was cute uh <laughs> i i say this but someone commented on our podcast said you should have jonah goldberg on your podcast and i said i'll drop him a line <laughs> i'd love to have him on the podcast no but um he made some comment about how um trump has resulted in something funny which is basically that now evangelical christians favor infidelity and divorce or whatever. And what I don't like about that is I there's when you when you get down and you talk to everyday conservatives, even the even the maybe not the hardest hardcore Trump fans, but just people who are generally supportive, if you say what do you think of infidelity? What do you think of his prior marriage? What do you think of that behavior or whatever? They're probably going to say, "Well, no, we don't approve of that kind of thing." That we're not changing our position on morality simply because he's in office. What we're changing our focus on is whether that's something we want to emphasize now, because what we see that's positive is far outweighing the problems that were negative. And then also, it, it's I get that we can't continually go back to what if Hillary, but but you kind of do a little bit to a certain extent say, all right, <laughs> unfortunately, the only remedy for that at the time what I mean, it was was Hillary Clinton, and it and that doesn't solve that problem, does it? Um, no. So it, it isn't that I'm all of a sudden supporting her. these bad things about him. It's just that 
I'm, and by me, I mean, you know, most people who are supporting Trump and evangelical Christians being, I guess, the big, uh, the big group that was being discussed by Jonah, it isn't that they're changing their position on the underlying morality. What they're saying is, right now, in this office, what's the good that is happening is much more important than the types of things that we maybe disapprove of. And you can say that there's some hypocrisy because they they were are more likely under the Obama administration to pick out those things. But part of that also is that they don't need to point out that they disagree with all the policy things that he's doing. That's already kind of, that's something that kind of goes without saying. And so then they're piling on with, oh, and also these other things that we don't like about the guy. I, I feel like for me, that's just a little bit more understandable of a tendency. Um, that doesn't mean that I, that I think it's, you know, that I think people should not be self-conscious about that kind of thing when, hey, listen, let's try to, let's try to speak in the same language whether it's our guy in power or the other guy in power. Um, I think that's yeah. wise, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as, as a lot of people have kind of made it out to be. I think that there's definitely hypocrisy there. I mean, like, I think that is the definition of hypocrisy. And I think that, I mean, that's just, it just is what it is, right? I just think it's kind of funny that the people who are so worried about it, like, they don't care, right? They're not even the ones who care about it. They just wish that other people cared so that those people then disagreed with Trump in the same ways that they do. Most of the people who are pointing out that are not people who have a trouble with his infidelity or have a big problem with that. We're probably, in my mind at least, like poo-pooing it a little bit from the other side, like, oh, let's not focus on their personal life. Let's focus on how bad their policies are. And yet now it's sort of an issue. I don't really understand it. Right. Basic overview of what people disagreed with us last week. <laughs> Tom, actually, since you're here, we're going to get sure. to what I was, um, we're going to get to what I was uh, hoping to turn this podcast into, which I, which is going to be a series, I hope. Um, but, I, I know that you listened to last week's podcast, and so since we got some negative feedback, um, what were your thoughts? I, I thought you, you commented on the thread, and I thought what you said, I agreed with everything that you said, but um, maybe articulate it, though. Okay. Um, well, I mean, my... <sighs> So I guess we haven't. I guess I don't think we've sp actually spoken like this since the election. Um, I mean, my my basic take on these on on the president is one. I, I think the administration has been has been governing much more conservatively than I expected, and I think that's wonderful. And I I was wrong. A lot of pe other people were right, and. Um, at one level, that sucks. At another level, it's great. Um, if you're going to be wrong, you know, be wrong because you were too. You know, it's nice to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> like I'm never going to win a million dollars. Right. <laughs> exactly. If if that works, let me know. Uh, anyway, um, my, sort of my hobby horse of the last year has been that all of us need to sort of keep our relationship with the pre with the president. Um, transactional. Um, since we brought up Jamie, uh, as Jamie says, we need to keep it like a Trump marriage. <laughs> you know, completely contingent and, and transactional. <laughs> I was muted sign for my up, dog, but that's me laughing. Up. I agree exactly. with that. <laughs> so, but, but, basic, but my basic take is that I, I think there are two classes of people who are making mistakes. One, I think if, if you... I think it's a mistake to, to tell... To 
signal to any politician, uh, whether it's the president or anyone else, that there's no way he can lose your support, that you're so happy with what he's done or so satisfied with it that, you know, you don't it doesn't matter. You know, you're going to vote for him. He's great. That basically tells him he can ignore you because he has your vote. Why should he bother? At the same time, it's equally stupid to tell a politician that there's absolutely no way under any circumstances you could vote for him. And he can never win your vote. That basically means that again, that in, in exactly the same sort of way, he can write you off. He can ignore you. Right. The president, in, the president in my mind, is a mixed bag. Um, it's been a much more positively mixed bag than I expected. Um, and, uh, but my basic take is that uh, I don't know if I'm going to vote for him in 2020. Um, if he, the more that he... Uh, keeps enacting policies that I like while keeping his mouth shut and not getting into stupid, unnecessary controversies, the more likely it is. That is not um, going to happen, Tom. <laughs> the more likely it is. I'm not, <laughs> right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not expecting perfection. Anybody who does expect perfection in anything is going to get disappointed in this life. Oh, I would expect much less than perfection. I, well, I, I it's will, a, but it's a, I will accept it's a balancing test too, right? Okay. So, so, he, so, okay. So, Here's sort of an intro. Okay, I'm going to go with this. Go with this. Okay. Um, So, as people may have heard, President uh, President Trump wants a wants a parade in DC. Yeah. Uh, uh, Because he saw Bastille Day and thought that was cool when he was in France. Um, That's that's what's been reported. God knows what's actually true. Assuming that's true, uh, my basic. My basic take is, you know, what, you know, I've been told many times that Trump is a new kind of president. This is the paradigm has shift has shifted. Um, my basic take on it is, okay, what's in, in it for me? Um, you know, I, I'm all for celebrating our military, and you know, uh, as people have pointed out, uh, you know, our military has been fairly busy these last since the last parade that we had, which was in 1991. You know, there's reason for it. Um, like a national parade, you mean like not like uh, like Basically, the country yeah. is putting on a parade, not like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or anything like that. Like going from, through from DC I, through so the like, mall or something. So to, like to the put Gulf it War in the perspective that the lefties will just like Hitler did, right? That that would be how that would be how our our, our lefty friends would put it. Yes. Do, do they say just um, out of curiosity? You've got more lefty friends than me. Do is that the way they interpret the the parade in France that Trump had gone to? I have no. I idea. actually I haven't, haven't seen that. I haven't seen that much griping about that. Truth be told, well, they did invoke Wait, here, the name France. At least he didn't do it while he was in Germany. But I doubt Merkel has parades. That's far anyway, too much fun. <laughs> he, here is my proposal. Here, here is my tremendous proposal. If Trump wants his parade. He can have a parade. And it, but he can. But only after three months. Of giving his phone over to to, to John <laughs> Kelly. I want to keep this transactional. I, I want to make him, and he needs to spend those three months making America great again. Do continuing a lot of the policies that he's he's done to this point, which which are good and w- which I generally approve of. You know, we, we all you know nothing's perfect, but you know it's been pretty good. If he can keep doing that and and not, and not ma- and to tell you what, he can he, all of his. His, the deal is he gets the parade after three months during which all of his public statements are pre-approved by 
by John Kelly. Right. Well, that who's the might. girl that? So you want? So who's you the want lady that Twitter Terry likes so much? Uh, the new press. Oh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She could be in charge of his Twitter account, probably, and we'd be a lot better off. Oh, I'm I don't sure. like. I don't like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, he doesn't like. Her. I love her. I love her so much. <laughs> what do you? Hard to, hard to even wrap my brain around how much I love her. <laughs> Why? She's going to be our guest on the podcast. Uh, just like I don't, and this, you know, I take, you know, I'm from Montana, right? Our, our. Our representative punched out a reporter, right? Which, if anything in this state, yeah, yeah. Which, if anything in this state, gained him votes. No joke. Like, actually gained him votes. People here do not like the press. I don't like the press. Nobody I know likes the press. So, like, watching her just deal with those people. It's like they're a bunch of unruly children and just, just <laughs> run them like a nice, like a firm handed school marm. I. It just it gives me so much joy. It's hard for me to even even put it into words. See, if if that's what's happening, then I, then I, that's I would just probably the like. I've watched her. I turn it on when she's on. If I see it, and it, it's especially great to watch it from CNN's perspective. I love watching her do it on CNN because they just don't know what to say. They they <laughs> no, really want to trash on her, but she's a woman, so they're kind of like, well, well, you know. The best, the, the the best the for all the mistakes the administration has made, the, the th one of the things that has been mm, fascinating this last year is how much worse the press has been. You know, there, I, I, you know, I want the press to do well. What I would actually like is a functioning press that actually has its head screwed on and doesn't go completely apoplectic over everything. Um, and those do exist, but it doesn't seem to exist in the Washington press corps, specifically the White House press really? corps. I, I don't There's know. There's no where incentive it for it to exist, Tom. I mean, they they want to set, they want clickbait. That right. is, it's that there's not even headlines anymore. Headlines are old; they're gone. It isn't a thing. What you need is clickbait. What you can put in the title of your internet article to get people to click it is all they care about. Which is yeah, why that goes, you get that this goes type for, of press, right? But that goes for that goes for you know not just CNN, but that also goes yeah, for every no, blog and everything else. It's most it's most press, like even people that we would tend to agree with. I mean, like I can't watch Fox News any better than I can watch CNN. Well, good grief! Because I mean, that almost I, goes that goes for National Review, more, even. I mean, you're well, think I agree tank. with them more. It's just it's it's too much, like. They're not giving me the news; they're giving me entertainment, and I don't want to be entertained in that way. I'm usually entertained in that not way by I watching them freak out about something, right? Like if I can watch them go bananas, like watch Chris Matthews start crying on the air, like that is entertainment to me. I'll, I'll grant you that makes me really happy. But it isn't; it's not news. That's what I always say. People always say talk about fake news. I don't believe in such a thing as fake news. What I call it now is just not news. It's okay. Okay. So hang on. News. Okay. So we did have some stuff we wanted to get to, but I'm I, I need to go on a brief rant about this. Go for it. Okay. So up until up until 2016, fake fake news seemed to have a pretty set meaning, which was news that was generated to be that was basically like news that was completely baseless fake new false news that was manufactured from whole cloth like the onion no no like the onion but like not a parody 
Like, oh, okay. Like, like you know, like we're talking like shady foreign governments making up making up propaganda, and like stuff that's oh, so you're not saying a, more sinister than the onion? Yes, yes. That uh, that's like espionage. What, that or people who or people who are li- or you know, when you look at the bottom of a, of you know a lot of really good websites, unfortunately, you know there'll be that you know you know the you know the you know there'll be pictures of you know. Uh, you know, uh, anaconda strangling a, a, a an elephant or something ridiculous, and it's like oh, click yes. here for, to find out what happens next. Clickbait. Yeah, but like not even like factually based stuff. Right. But basically, that used to be the definition of fake news. And then for a bunch, and then the word kind of shifted, and the president seems to, I think, is sort of largely guilty of this to being badly reported or overly partisan news. Which is is a serious serious problem. It's all it's a sort of different problem than fake news. And and I wish we could separate those. You, can't. you know. Yeah, I. Well, that was Tom, the problem. Right. They let that out, once they yeah. left that the, out of the, the box, there was no separating it anymore. I think yeah. you're right, except that except that if you if you think about it in terms of value, um, they're they're different. They're different in nature. But they're both equally useless. And actually, I think that the fake news of what the president talks about, to be honest with you, is a bit more dangerous. I mean, when you when you've got a when you've got misleading like I mean, YouTube is probably the prime example of this misleading thumbnails. Right. So it's a picture that says, um, <laughs> you know, fails oh, of oh, 2017 oh, oh, and then it's a right. picture of a half naked girl. And then, you you know, stuff like that, like. That's that's one thing. That's clickbait, and that's something everybody knows about, but probably still clicks on anyway. But having, you know, having kind of what 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 we're always complaining about, which is something that something that that eight years ago or six years ago was admirable, and that today is a scandal. That's the kind of thing that is it. We notice it, and pundits seem to notice it, and we talk about it a little bit. But I think a lot of people just it it becomes kind of a part of the culture and it becomes a part of the language that people use. And and I think that is kind of dangerous. And I say dangerous, not necessarily dangerous, but from our perspective, it's more impactful than people are willing to admit. I I think that if we're talking about the same thing here, I, I think that is really dangerous and it's a serious problem. And again, I, I mean I from from what I've seen, the press's coverage of the president this last year is just absolutely disgraceful. Um, I, I think it's sensationalistic. I think it's un- I think it's unfair. I, I think it's a whole bunch of things. Um, I think it's irresponsible. I think it's different than fa- I think it's a different kind of problem than fake news, which right. is also which is also a real problem, but a different problem. But I don't see. I don't see how fake news in the way that you're talking about it like someone just putting some sort of like national inquirer article online people don't believe people don't tend to believe that stuff people believe what cnn says like they it doesn't matter they could say the most they made up stuff they're on camera saying they made up stuff and people still listen to them like that freaks me out more than like you know anaconda swallows baby Right. Okay. So that wasn't a very good. That may not have been the best example, but um, you know, there were also there were 
in the last few years, there have also been a lot of issues. There have also been a lot of cases of um, of uh, shady organizations, basically, you know, cr- creating websites that look like professional news sites and that have names that are like, you know, very, cl- you know, it wouldn't be like CNN. It would be like CNM. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating this slightly, right. but only a little right. bit. But like, it would like be the websites are like designed to look like real news websites that you know you would that that you know we are supposed to trust and i'm not saying we should but like you know they they look like trustworthy news sites but like yeah that's it, how it i got suckered into that, that miracle weight loss device right it, that didn't work it, but, <laughs> but it's actually run by the venezuelan government or something <laughs> where are horrible these rat. like i guess that's for me is like where I don't ever see those. Like I've never accidentally tried to go somewhere and found myself somewhere else. So here's... Have, have you have you have you never had a friend who posted something on Facebook and they were and then you're like and you're like, well, that doesn't really make sense. And you look and you're like, actually, this website is total bull, is total BS. I mean, sure, I've... but like you can things don't pass the smell test. Like, I mean, that's just part of being a good internet user. That's always been the way the internet. It's not something new. You can't click on the stuff on the sidebars. In fact, now the internet's safer than it used to be. You used to be able to really not be able to click on the stuff on the sidebars. Now you can do it. It's just going to really <coughs> annoy you. <laughs> Sorry. We're doing an evening podcast. So everyone gets a beverage. No comment. <laughs> Dude, Tom, put the whiskey in your tummy, not in your lungs. <laughs> it burns going down. Uh, okay, hey, so 30 minutes into this thing, um, I'm going to. <laughs> I, the, We're the going on. The reason I wanted to kind of to kind of go over some of that stuff was because Tom has is notoriously um, a little bit less so. Tom, actually, since you're since you're no longer an official editor, but notoriously fair handsome? about things right oh. definitely handsome so beautiful <laughs> smile so i wanted to give i wanted to give you an opportunity to to hopefully um bring back some of our audience <laughs> after terry and i last week uh spent a lot of time maybe driving them away although i although don't I think don't that think happened we, i think we got some positive feedback too right i don't think we're necessarily wrong but it, it's it's easy it's easy to it's easy to rant, and I could do it on any given topic. And 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 nine times out of ten, you come to me and you say, "Well, what about this?" I'm gonna say, "Yeah, all right, all right," well, you know, and it, and it'll turn into a, a better conversation. But um, so just that's for those people um, who didn't like last week. What I'm wanting to do, um, and I'm and I'm hoping to make it kind of a series of podcasts, is kind of get away from this format of. Of ta- I mean, everybody, Everybody, if you want to listen to a podcast on Ricochet or anywhere else, you can hear about the parade, you can hear about the tweet, you can hear about, you know, the Russia business, wh- whatever. All this kind of stuff is being talked about. Um, I've never felt the desire to go, if I go to a bookstore, I don't pick up the book about Obama or the book about Trump. And that, to me, that's just not really interesting. I will, I would prefer to pick up the book, the Adam Smith book, or the Burke book, or you know, the Bastiat book. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Nerd um, alert! 
<laughs> yeah, we get how many just really awesome books you want to read. <laughs> Much appreciated. I meant in you were context, saying Ryan in the context of discussing po- or thinking about politics. So, uh, <laughs> can I? Does that work? Does that work? Can I do that? Yeah, yeah, so yeah cool you're good. Elsewhere, I feel like I can be cool elsewhere. Uh, that's not to say that I wouldn't rather be doing other things most of the time. But if I'm wanting to talk about politics, politics for me, you you have the you have the everyday kind of bickering kind of stuff. Why do why do you support this? Why do you support that? And to me, all of it gets at. I mean, all of it is informed by something else. It's an, it's informed by the basic assumptions that you have about the world around you, and the basic values that you hold as to the way the world around you ought to operate. And I think that when we, if you polled your friends, or not even your friends, just say not your friends, if you, <laughs> for us actually that would probably be better, if you polled just uh, a group of groups of people off of the street, and you said, and you asked questions about liberalism and conservatism, I think that, I think that a vast majority of what you'd find is people talking about kind of hot button topics. So... Mm-hmm. Your views on, uh, e- I mean, welfare. I say welfare, but even not not even that. But you know, abortion or gay rights or or gay marriage or things like that. Um, that's it's. It would all be personalities and policy. And if you think about it, when you go back and read about conservatism or or politics, liberalism, conservatism, etc., the personalities kind of fade away. Um, the reason I mentioned the Bastiat book is because I sat down and read that uh, it's a biography of, of Bastiat and it's, it's very interesting there were a lot of people who were named in it but that was all basically irrelevant to the reader to the modern day reader um, except Tocqueville <laughs> and people who you know who, who kind of have lived on a little bit um, and so the issues that they were discussing were a lot more important and we, we have a really hard time getting by that now or getting past that now. And so I wanted to discuss those things. And I asked for Tom and um, Sean Majestic, who we're going to have on as soon as he's, you know, prioritizing things uh, correctly. And Terry and I, where I, and anybody else who, who, who wants to join us, I, I wanted to get at kind of some of those more underlying issues. And part of it stems from a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine who I grew up with, um, kind of about liberalism and conservatism and and someone who i think knee-jerkedly is um sympathetic to like the bernie bro type crowd that you heard a lot during the last election and and when i and i want to kind of try to get at some of those underlying assumptions makes sense so you want to talk you want to talk some first principle stuff That's why I had you on, is so that I could say something for five minutes and you could summarize it in two seconds. Glad to oblige. So I'll cut out that first part. <laughs> that's basically that's basically what I'm going for, right? So we solicited a couple of questions, and and actually I'm gonna Tom, I'm gonna ask you because because I know you're totally unprepared for it because I didn't tell you I was gonna ask you, but if you were going to, although we actually discussed this a little bit um, prior to the show. But okay, but my clothes stay on. <laughs> That's not what you were doing earlier. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my my credit card has been maxed out. So so. That... <laughs> and and might I add that your prices are grossly unfair. 
but um, I let's say let's say that let's say that you and maybe this has happened. I don't know. Uh, you you did actually ask the question in your Facebook, which was brave of you, Terry. You can give your version of why you refused to play along with the Facebook thing, and I couldn't do it because I don't have Facebook. Um, my wife, by the way, I said. I said, hey, could you ask a question to your Facebook community or whatever? What, I don't know what you guys call it, but uh, ask them about this. And I gave her this question about what do you think about conservatism? What do you think we believe? All that kind of stuff. And she, she texted me back and she said, that sounds like the worst idea ever. No, I would never so do that. that. actually almost exactly what I said to you. Pretty, pretty much. Well, Tom. Heather well, and I have a lot in common. Tom played actually, along. Hold, hold, hold up one second, everybody. Uh, listeners, um, Ryan has made a dig at Facebook. Take a drink. <laughs> okay, Ryan, you were or saying? made it sound like he's like an old guy who doesn't really understand it. Oh, your Facebook group or clan or whatever you call it. I don't really know. Is don't there a word it for myself. it? Can I say Facebook community? Is I feel like that's a pretty good description. <laughs> I just don't want to. You asking is what matters. It doesn't matter what it's actually called. I posted something to my Facebook feed. Right, right, yeah, but the group of people reading your feed is the Facebook community, right? Yes. Sure, good enough. Thank you. And I think that Facebook, <laughs> I think that our, the dude, um, never mind, forget it, forget it, I forget I even mentioned it. What's that guy's name? <laughs> Tom? No, no, that was, never mind. Uh, Tom was the guy on MySpace, right? He was friends with everybody? Yes. Oh, Zuckerberg yeah. is the guy you're thinking of. Remember that? No, no, no. I know. I remember what you're thinking of. I think his name was Tom. Yeah, yeah the guy on had, Facebook didn't like do the that. was first friend. He's your first friend. <laughs> right. Okay, fine. Um, actually, I thought about maybe making a Facebook profile for Flyover Country, but then Terry would have to be in charge of it, and I don't think he would do it. I don't do Facebook either. <laughs> anyway, so, so I Tom, asked, you played I along, and, and you asked the question, too. So so let, let, me, let me flip it around on you a little bit. If 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 one of your friends had replied, what does it mean to you? Um, <clears throat> apart from who you vote for and and what kind of policies you support, what what to you is is the underlying basic assumption about life that leads to conservative conclusions? If if you were going to try to distill that, what what might you say? Okay. Um. All right. Well, I'd say something like, um. Okay, so I'd say that conservatism is is a is a political philosophy. Um, I'd say that one of its big things is that individual rights cannot uh cannot create obligations on other people. That's basically that means that we have negative rights. So you know. It's not that I have a right to, to speak and be heard. It's that you don't have a right to silence me. So, so point one, neg negative individual rights. Um, number two, uh, governments exist overwhelmingly for the purpose of defending those rights and protecting them, uh, as, as well as our as our as our uh, has some obligations to our security. Um, I'd say three that. Uh, governments inevitably um, th that go beyond that mandate sort of uh, inevitably cause more harm than good, um, and that you know a, a, the purpose of a good government is to is to stay within those bounds, not go any further, and 
and to be, you know, subject to limited enumerated powers that way. Um, and then I'd say, and then I'd say that, um, yeah, you know, actually I think that about rounds it out. Okay. So negative, so negative rights, um, that, so of individuals have negative rights. Government's purpose is to protect them. Going beyond that leads to more harm than good. Okay. And I think, and actually, um, we have discussed, or at least I have discussed, it's something, it's one of, this is one of my hobby horses as well, that negative versus positive rights. I know that Terry and I um, have, have talked about kind of my go-to definition of the Constitution as, as creating something. And when when you talk, it's it's funny because I think you can almost if you you can almost like as a litmus test liberal versus conservative. If you talk to a liberal and you ask about the Constitution, what the the liberal and I don't mean this in a bad way. I just mean kind of just a difference in our emphasis. What a liberal is more likely to focus on is the Bill of Rights. So here's what's okay. granted to individuals, and what a conservative is more likely to focus on is the Constitution itself as being a document that establishes the parameters for a government. So for a conservative, you begin with no government at all. And we are allowing, we, we the people are allowing a government to exist, but we're setting these parameters whereby the government is limited in what kind of authority it has. We're granting it the authority. Right. And, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm I'm not sure I agree on the on the liberals focus on on the Bill of Rights thing and conservatives focus on the rest of the Constitution, but I I definitely agree with the latter part that, that yeah and maybe and I and I might I might be misstating that in a, in a way yeah. meaning that meaning that I, I think that liberals are more likely to focus on the positive rights to individuals and conservatives are more likely to focus on the negative rights so we're we're allowing the government to do X Y and Z whereas the I think a liberal might focus a little bit more on a constitution as saying you have a right to X, Y, and Z. And and really your your Bill of Rights, I mean I guess I think have about it more at, as more as things that are so important that even where the government has authority, it doesn't have this authority, right? Um but that doesn't the assumption there is not that you start with an unlimited government and then you take and then you scale it back. It's that you start with no government at all and you give it authority. Kind of, I guess the the the, the good example of that, and, and actually I've I've had this happen in my own life, having conversations with people, is some reporter asking Nancy Pelosi, "Where does the where do you get the authority to do this?" And her just deer in the headlights, "What? <laughs> what do you mean?" So I have authority to do whatever I want, but where do you limit my authority? And and I think that's kind of the dichotomy there. So, this is the way I've thought of it for a while. That have either of you two ever ever read the United Nations uh, Declaration of Rights? No. Parts of it, yes. It, it it's been a long time, so I'm I'm kind of going off this. I think memory, I hated but it. I have to say, I think uh, I hated. I I hated it as well. <laughs> it, it was basically, you know, uh, people have a right to uh, uh, to housing. They have a right to right. to pursue an education. Yep. They have a right to all these things, and 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 and, and this struck me as wrong headed in several ways. In that, it's listing the things that we have rights to, which, you know, under our. In the Bill of Rights, we, you know, remember the Tenth Amendment means that we have all these other rights that aren't named. But 
what, what I the the difference between that and the bill and uh, the American Constitution's Bill of Rights is it is the Constitution limits limits power and says these things are not the government is not allowed to do these things to citizens as opposed to citizens are entitled are entitled to these things and presumably someone should be providing them yeah so exactly. so the so the un because that's always the question right if right. if if, if, if you're right entitled to... to something who is supposed to give it to you right you, you can phrase it you could Why? say it's not it's not a list of rights it's a list of obligations or demands even yeah yeah um you know do i have a, if i have a right to an education and an education costs something presumably somebody has an obligation to to provide that that, that to me i now, the, the funny thing is now, that's I actually, different from, but that's di- entirely different from the government uh, shall not stop anyone from from uh, shall not impede anyone from getting in the way of me pursuing an education. The, yeah. The first one's a positive right. The second one's a negative right. I had a I had a conversation with a kid, um, and a, a, a client of mine, um, in real life, and a, a while back, and I was kind of presenting something a little bit more like this. I was kind of presenting it to him in the in the in in terms of how to understand your obligations to yourself as a human being. Um, here's, here's what I'm hoping to encourage you to behave in a certain way, right? Um, and, and, I, and I kind of phrased that, or I, 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 I think I made an analogy where I said, you have the right to, um, when, when, when we say, I didn't, I didn't use this as an, exact, as an example, but it was kind of the conversation we were having, which is, uh, when I say that you have a right to an education, or you have a right. Let's say you have a right, to, a right to religion, right? Um, when when you say you have a right to an education or religion, what that means to me is nobody can stop you from doing that. And you and in that sense, mm-hmm. you have a lot of rights. You have a right to healthcare, right? Nobody can tell you that you can't go out and do something that you think is necessary, or at least nobody should. Um, and actually, that's more to me. It's more of like an anti-regulation type thing. You have a right to live your life in the way that you want to live your life, um, with with regards to these specific things. So no one can go up to you and say you're not allowed to have an education. And if you think about that, juxtapose that with places in the world where someone might say, "Well, you don't get access to this. Even if you want to go out and read X, Y, or Z book, you're not allowed to do that. We're going to restrict that." And what this is saying is you, you have the right to those things, meaning no one can stop you from doing it. And uh, that's so vastly different from saying because you have a right to, to education, then, then, you, then, then someone has to give you that education. I've said that with um, – I think I might be the only person in the United States who thinks of a right to counsel along those lines – my now i i understand that as a society when you're dealing with poverty you might it might be wise especially even from even from a conservative or libertarian perspective it might be wise to to prioritize as a citizenry it might be wise to prioritize um setting up some kind of counterbalances to government power and so providing state appointed attorneys is is maybe a very good thing and i certainly would support it However, when we're talking about a right to an attorney, what you're really saying is the government can't try you and then say no one is allowed to act as an advocate on your behalf. 
So an attorney, you can't you can't say no. Mm-hmm. You don't get an attorney. That does not necessarily. We, what we've interpreted that as now is that means because you have the right to an attorney, if you can't afford one, then the government's going to pay for one for you, right? And we've right. basically mm-hmm. taking that principle because and I and I can understand the reason for having that as a principle, but we're basically taking that principle and if you cannot afford one, one shall be provided for you. Well, now you have a right to health care, and if you cannot afford a doctor, one shall be provided for you. You have a right to an education, and if you can't afford college, one shall be provided for you. We're kind of just extending that basic principle that we've done with, um, with legal representation. However... Right, and, and, and the difference is, is that with legal representation, presumably the state has provided... The state is providing is is providing the, the other side. Right. Imagine so, if the state was causing your illness or <laughs> making you ignorant. R- right. Which maybe, right. Yeah. Who knows? So it, it, if if I'm being put in an adversarial position by the state, then it it, it seems reasonable that the state would provide me with uh, with something to counter that, or that I. Um, but that's a that's a very specific circumstance and is different than. Than what there is in healthcare, as you were saying, right, right, right. Okay. So, well, and what I think, let me hop in here. What I think, also, and this kind of gets to what you were saying, and what I think of when I think of it, as far as being a, a guiding principle, is one respects people's own decision making, like conservatism respects people's own decision making. Right, puts personal responsibility on people right you're good enough you're smart enough you can get things done that you want to we don't pretend to know your mind we we err on the side of letting you know your own mind right we don't impose on your religion we don't impose on anything right you're not imposing on people in order to give them freedom as opposed to the lefty ideal which is how i think of the way that they do things whereas they say they're trying to help What I see is someone trying to impose their will. You're too stupid. You're too poor. You can't do anything about those things, so we'll just do it for you. It's like what you would do with a little kid where instead of teaching them to tie their shoes, you just keep tying their shoes forever. And it's like, I don't want to be treated like a little kid, and I don't want to treat other human beings like little kids. Like, I want to be adults, have personal responsibility, but... The negative of that always comes that when you put personal responsibility on people, some people inevitably fall short, and those people can become tragic figures. And the right has never had a really great way to deal with people that just get screwed over because it's just kind of a side effect. The left is always trying to find a way to keep everyone from getting screwed over. But in the same sense, they always end up holding people back or they do things horribly or they infringe on other people's rights in order to try and make everything fair across the board. It comes out as a complete failure. So let me um, – okay, oh, oh. I, I want to use that, Terry, as a springboard because so, I, I – So wanna, do I actually, but oh. – What? Oh, you're going to do it too? <laughs> All right. If, yeah. I get, if I go wildly off course, then then uh, feel free to just – feel free you to will. Just di- direct us back. Can but, we just um, have Tom go first then? I want to sp- – <laughs> no, I want to specific. I'm in charge. This is a dictator. This podcast is a dictatorship. It is not a democracy. I have rights. <laughs> I I want to because we solicited input from people. Um, I think that that's really really good, tra- or not transition, but it it really brings up one of the questions that that actually Tom got from from a friend of his who who responded, and I'm going to read it. Um, he she says, and Tom, I'm hoping maybe maybe that now I don't think that. The, our podcast in general is not directed at 
everybody. We, we tend to do, like I said, and I apologize for using the term again, we tend to do a lot of insider baseball, which talking about, um, <laughs> you know, conservatives talking to one another. It wouldn't make a lot of sense if you're on the left and you're listening to it. It just isn't going to make a lot of sense. And, or it may seem like we're being uh, ignoring a lot of things. And we are because we're talking about internal conversations. But I, I'm hoping that we can uh, have something that a liberal might be able to listen to and say, hey, I want to engage in that conversation. But so one of the questions that you got when you asked for feedback was this, and I'm going to read it. And I quote, conservatives value individual li- individual accountability and claim that people should be should be able to keep most of the money they earn and make their own financial decisions. Yet over half of Americans have almost nothing saved for retirement and half have absolutely nothing saved. In general, we're really bad at preparing for the future. Is individual accountability a good policy if it works terribly for over half the population? Um, and I which, which I want which I want to say is just is is actually is a is a good challenge. It and it comes challenge. back to it comes back to what Terry was saying. And there's and and honestly, there's several different answers to that. And I think we could take several different lines with it. One of the most, I guess, one of the first ones that comes to my mind is to say, um, there's a flip side of that coin, right? So individual accountability is it a good policy? Well, it it isn't necessarily a policy. Um, the question is, what can you replace that with? Is there any is there any way? And that's where you kind of get into. And Tom, I'll just let you talk about Hayek. But <laughs> that's where you get into. Just is is centralized accountability in any way better? So we do kind of have to understand. And that's again, if you were to ask me, and I didn't ask myself this question, obviously, but what is that underlying foundation for conservatism? Part of it is just the imperfectibility of human nature, and the fact that, um, and the fact that we we have imperfect knowledge all the time and so as individuals we're able to provide feedback mechanisms that just simply aren't available to a centralized authority you could put again to to borrow this from someone else you you could take the smartest person and put him in charge of a a you know government uh department of bakeries and and that person is still not going to know what is the most effective you know, or something like that is not going to know what is the most effective thing in an individual location. The the guy who's on the ground doing something, a baker or whatever or what have you, is going to have a lot better idea of what his individual needs are. And so that's just kind of the the diversity of our population and the day and and the fact that there's imperfect knowledge means that individual accountability now it doesn't always lead to great outcomes, but it seems always to lead to better outcomes. So that's kind of my most my first gut reaction to that, but I, as I said, I think there's just several different ways that you can go with that question. What way does Tom want to go with it? Okay, so I I overwhelm I I largely agree with, I I basically agree with you, Ryan. Um, before before coming to Hayek, I, I would say that sort of um, uh, <laughs> going with it, going with a, another brilliant economist. I you know every. Uh, one of the best Thomas Sowell quotes: um, "There are no solutions in life; there are only trade-offs." Um, I think applies to this question very well, as as, <laughs> as well as almost every question. Um, th- I think that there. I think that that um, the question that was or the challenge that was posed to us here is a really good one. Like I said, and that look, I, I think I think it's a fair point that that if 
you're taking sort of a small government kind of position like we are, that that sort of has built into it sort of a higher tolerance for failure, and and yes. that can be and you know to be honest that that has its a very very ugly side, um, and that can and it can be very. Um, and you know there are things that we should probably do to try to ameliorate that. Um, but as Ryan said, you know the the pro, you know the flip side is is that if you try to the more is that there is an issue of of information, and that you know somebody and that you know one size doesn't fit all, and what may work for somebody suffering in one position may not work for somebody suffering in another one, and it's. Design systems are always difficult. You know, you know. Um, there's an interesting analogy to language, which is the, and I, I believe this is correct, and I'm sure there's some exception to it, which is going to make me look dumb. But as far as I know, no constr- You know, there are you know natural languages, and then there are constructed languages, which are basically languages that somebody sat down and figured out. And you can just designed. say Klingon. It's all right. We all we're all going to sympathize with that. Well, well, I'm I'm, I'm reading Lord of the Rings right now, so well, you know, I'm <laughs> Elvish, huh? Uh, Cinderin, please, and and plus oh, the man. other one that I okay. Anyway, Tolkien anyway, but, was a linguist. Okay, but, but the point is, is that. As far as I know, no constructed language has ever actually caught on. Esperanto? You don't speak it? uh, Sadly, no. Sadly, no. (laughs) Only on weekends. (laughs) But it's really... But the the general point is that constructed systems are always difficult. It's always hard to micromanage things. And we all encounter that in our daily lives all the time we all you know all of us think well you know if only if if, if i were in charge you know this would go a lot better and you're probably missing a lot of things you're probably there's probably a lot of things that are going right that you're not appreciating that you're not aware of and and tying this back into friedrich hayek as, as ryan was saying it's really really difficult for we underestimate in tremendously how difficult it is to to artificially create a system rather than let um then then to a certain extent letting the chips fall where they may um l- letting people fail sometimes teaches better lessons yeah. which does not make it pretty which does not mean that we don't need to that, that we on a personal level don't need to help out people um and, and in fact it's actually a, a case case that we're not doing enough of that. Yeah. Um, you know, it goes beyond yeah. it goes beyond letting people fail too. There is if you think about um and I'll I'll reference one more. I, I, I hate to reference books, but I think that there are economists no, who have talked about this. And and one of them is Henry Hazlitt. I think that's a book that every everybody ought to read is economics in one lesson. Oh, really good book. Um another one is called Globalization. I'm going to interrupt you in a minute if you don't get to the point. I will get to the point. It's by Donald Boudreau. Uh, oh, it's a good Lord. It's a good book. Something that he talks about that I think is really important is the fact that um, you we are able to recognize our own needs. And so when you think about efficient allocation of resources, you you what you what you mean by that is I know what I know what is important in my life. Now, that 
more than anybody else is going to know what's important in my life. And mm-hmm. so on a grander scale, um, now there's a lot of, I think what a liberal mindset, I, I think what a liberal maybe has a problem with is the knowledge of the fact that a lot of people are just simply incorrect or they make bad decisions or they are immoral people or they're stupid or, or maybe they're impulsive or something like that. But the fact of the matter is the, the reason why we can't correct from, for that is because in order for a, a market to work effectively, um, individuals have to make their own individual choices about what's important to them. And in the aggregate, what we end up with is a clearer signal about what, what is actually needed in the world. So a, a government might think, you know, totally disconnected from, from the population at large, a government might think this is a good idea and direct all its resources to that particular thing, whatever it is, might be completely unaware of some need that exists in, in society. Um, and, and, and that's why you see mass shortages and big, huge problems whenever you have centralized governments. Um, I know I'm doing a really poor job well, of explaining that. let me hop in here and go with a little bit simpler of a route than you guys are taking, because I have an answer to the question that I asked. <laughs> and that is, freedom is the freedom to fail. Like, that, like I, it's ne- the reason why there is no good answer for it on the right is because there's no good answer for it in life. If you want to be free, if that is your priority, part of that is the ability to fail. Someone else can't not let you fail right the too big to fail does not exist it's ridiculous like that is the problem with it it doesn't sell well it doesn't look good and like uh tom pointed out it can it can have a really ugly side to it that's why it's always been like it's nice to have uh group morals like in the countries like christianity for instance where you're taught that a it doesn't matter how much money you make and that being rich is not the ultimate goal in life that is, you know, number one Christian principle, right? And then number two is that you help other people. You focus more on other people than yourself. So you're not trying to get ahead and you're doing that. But that's personal philosophy. When you try and replace something that's a personal philosophy that people have chosen for themselves with government, which is imposed philosophy, then all of a sudden you're making a lot of people mad. You're creating conflict where there was none. And you're infringing on people's rights. But the problem ultimately is that freedom is freedom to fail. If you want security, if you want, if you value ease of life, then freedom is no longer your priority. In which case, yeah, go for it. Be as liberal as you want to be, because that's they're not interested in your freedom, because they can't be. You can't be free to do your own things. You think about anything, smoking, eating sugar, those things in countries that are very. Eventually, what happens with socialized medicine is. In, as an example, is that when you, someone else, you're now infringing on my dollar, right? When you're smoking, now it's my problem because I pay your smoking bill. I pay your anti-cancer bill. So you're no longer allowed to do that. You're no longer, you're fat? Hey, fatty, good job. Way to eat all that sugar. Guess what? You're costing me money on your heart disease. So now no more sugar for you, bud. You don't get to eat what you want to eat. It always goes that direction because once you're talking about the collective, what you want or what you need is no longer important. Yes. What you're describing, and I'll let Tom kick in here with this, but what you're describing is on a broader principle. Um, However, I would also assert that 
when you allow freedom to operate and kind of what I was talking about with market signals and that kind of thing, when you allow freedom to operate, you actually do end up with better outcomes. So even if we depending on say, what your point of view is, well, better no. outcomes for you. No, it better outcomes though. for everybody in general as the way you see it. But some people don't see it that way. I understand. Right, right. But what I'm trying to say is that even if you even if you do see it the other way, you don't you actually don't have the we just simply do not have the ability to create better outcomes. It's just not going to happen. You could ban sugar all day long and the unforeseen consequences of that are going to result in something to I mean we just simply oh, yeah. cannot create better outcomes. The only thing you can do to create better outcomes is try to convince people to caught to have to desire better outcomes on their own behalf. Now, I'm not saying and and uh, Tom alluded to this earlier, I'm not saying that I don't think there are very many conservatives. I, I think it's, it's it's pretty rare and it may exist and you guys can and uh, you guys can contradict me if you want, but I I I think that by and large conservatism accepts that that when we have enough wealth that we ought to have some kind of um some kind of safety net type thing. I don't I, I hate to use the word safety net. If we've instilled but... it in our private citizens enough to care about their fellow man, whether that's through religion or some other means, if that's just a general social feeling, then those things should naturally happen. Someone will feel charitable. That already does happen. True. True. Rich and people encouraging... give away a lot of their money, and that, and when that's seen as a, when that's seen as a virtue, in people, more people will want to do it, and the more people who think it's virtuous, the more people who do it, the more people who get helped. But it's still a personal choice, not an enforced one. So, c coming back to, the, coming back to the question that was asked, because I, I think actually it provided a pretty good example, which is, I think this is correct, but. If it's you guys are okay with it, I say that we stipulate it that not enough Americans that most Americans don't save enough money the, 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 that that we spend too much money when we should be saving more. I think we're probably uh, all three guilty of that. Uh, I don't see it that way, but that's just because I have a different outlook on life. You might possibly think that I couldn't possibly comment uh, anyway, um but but let's for the sake of argument, let's assume that's true um, cause, I mean, I'll put it. I'll put it this way: All of us can look at other people. Can look at other people's jobs and say, "You're doing it wrong." Um, and you know, do the it things, all the time. Exactly. And the thing is, is that we're probably actually right about the particular thing that they're doing wrong. What we're probably wrong about is not appreciating all the other things that are going on that we can't see. And and that's and it, so. If we observe that people aren't saving enough money, then then the question is, well, what do you want to do about that? And you know, the the, the besides simply the, the 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 issue of you know, does should the government have the have the power? Does the government have the power to force people to save? There's also the question of you know, will the government forcing people to? If we agree that saving more money is a good, right. will what are the costs of forcing people to do to pursue that good more? You and what you're, it, and, and there may be unforeseen costs there that we're not seeing, that that may be really significant, and, and and you know, or maybe they all they apply to some people but not to others. Maybe there are are some people. You know, there probably are people who 
you know, could be saving a lot more money and doing so in a, in a way that causes, you know, only benefit to them. There may be other people for whom that doesn't apply. And, and the problem with, with top-down solutions is that, you know, not every, you know, one size really doesn't fit all. And, and you don't know what's actually going on in everybody's life. You know, we, we, you know, how many times have we all, Dennis Praker has a funny story about um, two couple about a couple who's going out for a double date with some friends, and they have this like big fight before they go. And as they're pulling up to the restaurant, they say, you know, the husband says to the wife, you know, look, you know, I know that we were just fighting, but let's like put a good face on for the for the other for the others. So they have dinner, they have a nice time, and they leave. And then the other couple, when they're going back to the car, says. Man, did you see how cute those two were? Why can't we be more like them? <laughs> you know, you, you never know. By definition, you don't know what you're missing. Yeah. And, and 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 like I was saying, it, it's when whenever you're trying to impose order on a system, you're usually you're always doing so with imperfect with imperfect knowledge, and you're probably missing a lot. And you know the, the and and the problem with these things is that, uh, you know. Whenever we yell at our, you know, our, 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 you know, internet or cable provider or our phone company and say, oh, I could do such a better job if I were in charge, <laughs> you know, at, or, at your level, or, or your, ba- or, or your right. baseball team or your baseball team or football, you know, whatever you, <laughs> your criticisms, may, your criticism, your criticisms are probably may well be absolutely valid. It doesn't mean you could actually do a better job right. well, actually, than the other person. It, you're really you're really kind of going full circle to your comment, um, your reference to Thomas Sowell, right? Um, it's There are no solutions, there's only trade-offs. Right. When, when we talk about unforeseen consequences, that's really, that's, I, I think that, um, <clears throat> I, I don't want to make it personal, but I think there is an underlying arrogance, and it isn't necessary. it's maybe sometimes an arrogance that comes from good intentions when when you're talking about the liberal side of things and it is or or maybe it's just or maybe it's just not an unwillingness but a but just simply not understanding the things that you don't understand for every for every dollar so i i might have a good i might have a good policy that i think so i i might say that tom should save more right and Tom's not saving. And I know that Tom's not saving because I can look at his savings account and I can see what's in it. And I might mm-hmm. think, I think I know as a general rule that it's good to save. So I can say, as a policy, I'm going to take money away from Tom so that I'm saving it for him. I'm going to force him to save it. And, and let's say that the government even operated like that, where it was really that every dollar I took from Tom, I literally put an account that was only accessible by him and I was forcing him to save. Mm-hmm. What I don't know is what Tom's spending his money on. Don't we already? And so there's do an that? opportunity cost, and I I hate to use the word opportunity cost because I know that that's not the exact uh, appropriate way to use it. But nerd, I am taking away, I am taking away whatever Tom spent. So let's say that maybe Tom didn't save his money. Let's say that maybe Tom invested his money. Maybe Tom was investing his money in the next. You know, to be totally uh, hyperbolic, in the next iPad or something like that, right? That's what we don't know. That's information that only Tom has, 
And I have to basically take a risk that says, Tom knows more about his own situation to be able to make these decisions than I do. And so I need to trust him to make those decisions. And now for every Tom out there, there's another, there's Dick, because we got Tom, Dick, and Harry. There's a Dick and a Harry who are maybe are just spending that money. Maybe they're just throwing it down the drain. I don't know. That might be the case, but people are not generally irrational. And so maybe they're spending it on booze. Maybe they're doing something something with it that really is. But then again, how, how do I know that that's not necessarily what Dick or Harry values in his life? Maybe he's spending it on, on, on I'm not going to save any money. I'm going to buy uh, drugs and women, and I'm going to be happy for a short period of time, and then I'm going to die. Yep. <laughs> maybe that's his uh, value. How, I'm yeah, spending my uh, money on video games. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But that's why I think decision maker or a bad decision maker. And I see, I see what you guys are getting at as far as like, oh, if here's why we wouldn't want to do that. But I think it just goes to what Ryan just said. It, the fact of the matter is, saying that saving it is a virtue and saying that it's a good thing to do is the problem. Somebody has decided that now, right? And then you implement from there. But if you go back to the original thing, there's plenty of people who don't want to save. What happens to those people? What happens if you say, oh, we're doing it for your own good? And they say, no, it's not for my own good. Right. That's what you social... say is for my own good is not for my own good. Like, we've already agreed on it, right? And that's the problem. Three guys sitting around somewhere, and that's anywhere, right? In Washington, D.C., anywhere, who decide, well, we all know savings good, so let's operate from there and make a bunch of policies and pass a bunch of laws. When, that's, in fact, that... it isn't good. To a certain extent, that's social meddling kind of compounding on itself because the obvious answer from that from the obvious answer to that i think from someone from a left-wing perspective might be well you behave irresponsibly now and then all of a sudden you start drawing social security right but that's assuming social security is one of those things it is enforced savings yes that's what i'm saying so and that, that what's assumes... the idea even the idea that behind that right the idea behind that is that you shouldn't have to work when you're old why why is that the idea? Because everybody likes it? Because everybody's decided that, oh, it sounds fun to sit around. When, in fact, the people who live the longest generally do not retire. It's not a hard and fast case. But plenty of people retire, just go into nursing homes and die. I mean, like, the idea that even retirement is a virtue is is made up. And it well, isn't I, for everybody. I, I, I think what it comes down to it, it is... The um, w where these things generally go wrong is in thinking that I know better how to order your life than than you do. Mm -hmm. Now, now the thing is, right. is that we can all think of examples where that's where that's correct. We can all think of specific examples where, you know, I you know I have a friend who's making a bunch of bad decisions, and I told them don't do that. You know, don't date that girl. Don't you know. Uh, you know, don't take that job. Don't do that thing. And maybe I'm right in those specific things. You know, it, it, this is not to say that you know who am I to you know make any judgments or any recommendations at all. But in the act, but the but you know, even if I may be right or wrong about any one given thing, doesn't or even if I may be right about any one given thing, it doesn't follow that I'm right about all the other things. Right. And the more. The, the more distant I am from that person, the more likely it is that I'm not seeing the whole picture. And and 
and all of this is, is sort of looking at it from a consequential uh, standpoint of, well, you know, what leads to the best outcome. But Terry, I think this goes back to something you were saying at the beginning, which is, you know, who the hell are you to order my life anyway? Exactly. I, I um, think that I think it is really important to make the distinction, though, between and I think Tom, you just did subtly, is you're making a distinction between what I think on one hand is moral subjectivity, because I I I don't personally I don't believe in moral subjectivity. However, um, the distinction there is between moral subjectivity and imperfect information. So it isn't. Right. I mean, and 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 Tom also, did just make that distinction. Yes. Huh? He did just make that distinction. I think. Right. 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 Exactly. So so what you're not saying is. Hey, what's to say that a person who doesn't want to... I mean, I'm not... We're not... And Terry, you're not even necessarily arguing that, that a person who wants to, um, you know, live hard and die young, you're not necessarily saying, okay, well, that's a good thing that we should encourage. But what you're saying is, that might be what that person values, and and I'm not... Yeah, I, I don't I believe feel comfortable saying, telling that person that they're wrong about what they want to do with their life. Right. Like, that if, seems to me like... You're taking a pretty serious responsibility for someone else's life, and it's their life, not yours, right? Right. And that's something I think that, that that liberals oftentimes lose. They don't understand that that's kind of the direction they're going. I've met some that do. I've met some that do and, A, think that's a good thing, right? The ones that are being really honest, that's how I think, like, Hillary Clinton is, right? Like, I think her and her friends sit around and say, oh, yes, no, people are much too stupid. They're horrible. They're de <laughs> decrepit, disgusting things. And, you know, people like me, beautiful, wonderful people like me, can make sure that their lives run a little bit better to their day-to-day -day drudgery. I'm still know, and then I'm I think there's the other ones that are like, oh, no, I, like we want people to be able to do whatever they want, whatever they want to do, whatever they want to do, as long as we haven't all agreed that they shouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. I'm still recovering we, we from your, your inference that 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 Hillary Clinton is terribly honest about what she believes. Oh, I think so. I think a lot of those big name uh, Democrats are. I think they know exactly what they're doing. I think they're taking people's freedom on purpose. And I think that they think disgusting, poor people, uh, anybody who isn't like them, I think that they're very prejudiced people, and I think they know exactly what they're doing. I don't think they think they're doing the right thing. Right. I think they're doing it for purely power purposes, which can just about a, anybody might be. Can we take a second question from one of my friends? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so this is from another one of my friends. Uh, she asked, what do you see as a common misconception about conservatism held by others? What is something in the current conservative movement that you find frustrating or not true to conservatism? So it's kind of one question in sort of in two parts. Yeah. Terry, Ryan? Like, what do we, how do we feel about it? Oh, I thought that was the question you were asking. Oh, uh, 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 no, I understand uh, what you're saying. Uh, um, I'll, I'll reread the question. What do you see as a common misconception about conservatism held by others? So, as I'm reading this, what do people misunderstand about conservatism? I guess specifically, what do well? Well, yeah, I think I, yeah. I think that if I were to ask, um, just just kind of hypothesizing in my own head, if I were to ask some some liberals about, or, or actually even things that I've heard kind of from from uh, liberals about conservatives, because we tend to and I, and I think we kind of have addressed it a little bit so terry mentioned 
freedom is us is a freedom to fail so allowing some so so if if you have that kind of and, and a lot of it depends on your your mental outlook if you have this idea that you can direct everything then something you allow is therefore something that you value and so i think a misconception about conservatism is that we we don't just think it's okay to let people fail we get kind of a kick out of that or we want people to fail and and i and i and i and that's just simply not true of most people so if someone says why don't you care about the poor or why don't you care about and and that's kind of where your other friend went with it tom isn't it about other people's savings i mean why don't you care about those people and it's not that i don't care about those people because i do care about those people and and with conservatives a lot of times you can see it in the way that they live their lives the the charities that they donate to or the jobs that they choose to have or the things that they choose to do with other people or involvement in churches and other things like that but the fact of the matter is what they're saying is it's not that i don't care about those those bad outcomes it's that i really sincerely disagree with you about whether we are capable of solving those problems on a corporate level and by and by corporate of course i just mean centralized planning type things and um i uh, one funny thing about this is i i don't remember tom you may be aware of this i don't know where i saw it so it may be something that you saw as well terry i don't think you've seen it but there was a there's a twitter feed that's like socialist socialist party of england or something like that and um oh it was a post on ricochet so i don't know whether it i i, I don't know whether everybody saw it but um and they're making all these arguments about socialism and how great socialism is. And they're right in the sense that the way that they define socialism at is as a voluntary thing. So everybody voluntarily does what they're best at and everybody voluntarily only takes what they need and all of this kind of stuff. And so they can respond to any criticism with, well, if you had enough people who believed in this type of thing and behaved that way, then socialism would be great. And that's true. Socialism would be great if you if everybody believed in it and everybody chose to do those types of things. That's why it However, works on a small scale, right? Like little communes and stuff. That's why they can actually be successful. Except even they can't. Twins. Except even but they so, can't because even on an individual pretend, level, no, we no, really let's don't. Let's pretend that they that can kind of though. A twenty people can definitely feel that way. <laughs> True. It, I suppose twenty people can definitely feel. But the fact of the matter is, it, in it, fact, it, on a small scale, it probably works better. It should. <laughs> Yeah, my my communist family works that way, right? Like, isn't that an example? Every every the best example of communism is a is a a, a two parent household, right? You got a dictatorship, and the kids definitely don't, you know. Although although I will say, um, each unto his own abilities. Oh, I guess maybe that's true with children too. Although they don't contribute a whole heck of a lot. Um, point being the misconception is simply because we don't believe that it is possible for this to work and we and we think that some things are simply human nature does not necessarily translate into the interpretation that that we therefore agree with that outcome or that we like that outcome nobody oh, okay. likes so poverty nobody likes nobody likes criminals being mistreated nobody likes any of that stuff the question is what do you do about it and is what you propose doing actually more harmful than helpful? And that's really where we disagree. Uh, trying to break it down to you don't value these things is just simply disingenuous. Okay, so, so putting this in concrete terms, if, if conservatives say we should pay less in welfare, what you're saying is that doesn't, ref that doesn't mean 
I care about the poor less than than than, than other people, it means I don't think that this is the best way to help the poor. Right. Yes. Is that a good summary? Yes. I think that is okay. a good summary. And and also the same goes with healthcare. So someone asks a question, and actually that was another a, a friend that I reached out to raised a question. Healthcare costs are out of control. And what do we do about it? And conservatives have not put forth an ideal. Well, actually conservatives have. Stop stop regulating healthcare so much. Allow people allow markets to work. And healthcare is going to be I mean, to, to, to view healthcare as a right, as a positive right, that, that requires an obligation on the part of society to provide you something, is going to result in less healthcare for everybody. And so, and, and so having that misinterpretation that what we're thinking is, no, you don't deserve it because you're not rich, I mean, that's, that's basically taking your opponent and saying you're evil, which, which I, I guess the, what I would say is most conservatives are simply not evil. Terry? I think my the one that my has been like sort of annoying me lately more than anything is the kind of and I think it's sort of faded a little bit. I don't think it's quite as strong as it once was, but this idea that conservatives are anti-women. I I find that I just I don't understand where it comes from. I don't understand I, like that's the one for me where it's like what what are you talking about like i want women to be as equal as anybody else i'm totally i have no, i was raised by a strong female i'm married to a strong female i enjoy strong opinionated women who can take care of themselves like it doesn't offend me it doesn't bother me like i don't have any problem with it i don't and and my political philosophies don't in any way change that like it you know, like, for instance, in a small version, like, guns is a big one, right? I find, I always think, like, feminists, if you were really thinking about it, what's the great equalizer? A gun. You put two people in a, in a fisticuffs match, the stronger person's probably going to win. Maybe the more skilled person if the sizes are fairly equal. But, I mean, that's generally the man. It's just, that's how biology works. You're generally, but with a gun? Nope. Women can be just as good as shots as men. Seen it all the time. Has nothing to do with it. Women can handle guns just as well as men. Like, why Why wouldn't they be totally on board with that as far as having a great equalizer? Especially in light of, you know, rapes, uh, violence against women, all of that stuff. Why aren't, women, why aren't more women packing heat? Like, arm yourself. Protect yourself. Like, you know. I, that that type of stuff, I just don't understand why we're not on the same side there. Yeah, I, I'm kind of coming back to the same thing here, which is the the, the because you don't. It, it, it does feel like I've I've often been told that because I don't share uh, liberals' preferred solution, that I don't agree with the problem now. Obviously, that can cut the other. If I think about it, I can probably come up with some examples where that cuts the other way. This is probably more of a of a human thing than a, a left right thing. But you know, uh, you know, in, in some ways, liberals have an advantage, which is that since they're cover comfortable with, with since state solutions are sort of more obvious in a lot of ways and more direct, it looks you know it, there are. If you're if if you're on the left and if you see a problem, 
then if not the obvious solution, then an obvious solution is is to have a government program to deal with it. It's the and it's the notion. Why aren't we doing something about it? Doing and it, and it does seem like conservatives right. aren't trying to do something about it. Right and now, and, and by the way, I would say that you know sometimes that you know sometimes that's probably a legitimate cr- criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, speaking for myself, and uh, I imagine I'm not the only one on this. You know, there's you know I, I could be more compassionate in giving in my in, in giving in my life, and I've you know uh, I could do more on that front. Um, I'm probably, and there are, there's a, I can think of things off the top of my head that I could do to help, I could do that would be more to help people who are disadvantaged that, uh, that I'm not doing and I should do those things. Um, but I, I do feel like the, like the most, like that the, the most unfair, um, accusation of conservatives are, well, if you cared, then you would do something and do something would mean have the government do it. Well, it just uh, means do something, right? It means it doesn't like right. it, it, the it, the issue is again perception over reality, which is another big thing between conservatives and liberals. The perception that you're doing something doesn't actually change anything about it. It just means you're trying, but what if you're going about it completely the wrong way? Who was it that said if you're if you're going down the road and you get to a Y and you, you know, take the wrong direction, it just keep moving forward that's not progress that's you're not getting anywhere you're actually doing worse than if you turned around went back to where you made the mistake and fixed it right or, or, or uh, i think that's absolutely true and I, I i think that also you know you know the, the the you know the liberal temptation is to say don't just stand there do something yes and and the conservative r- r- response um is sometimes don't just do something stand there <laughs> And, that, <laughs> and think about it, of course. Is right. Well, well, with government, I'm very much that way. Yeah, don't do anything. Right. right. Well, well, but the the, the thing is, and the, inaction does not. I, I would say that I would say that inaction that not taking a specific act inaction does not mean neglect. Right. Um, or not especially, caring, especially at the state level. Or, or at, especially if you're talking at the state level, and and again, it comes back to it, it comes back to sort of what we were saying before, which is you know w- when you're you know it is the nature of governments to to have you know you know one size fits all solutions to things. Uh, sometimes they can do more than that, but not much more. Um, and, and and the issue is is that you know the people running the government are also human beings who are just as prone to making bad to making bad decisions and as as anyone else and you they're know, also doing under imper as we were saying before under imperfect w- w- with a lack of of on the ground knowledge that and that may cause them to miss things that are important um, you know I would you know go ahead uh, you know it. If I'm not, you know, if we take it as a general rule that people should save more money, then and and therefore we we um, force every we you know force or and or you know highly you know nudge nudge hard people towards making more savings. Maybe that's better in the you know maybe that's better in the aggregate, but maybe it also doesn't work for everyone. And and maybe that it actually ends up. And even though 
you know, saving more money is a good thing, maybe the act of forcing people to do so actually ends up causing more harm than good. It's your again, trade-off. It's your trade-off. Maybe the saving trade-off. money part is a good thing, but whatever right. you're giving up might be a better thing. Well, and so we don't know. And 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 going back to what we said earlier, there's also just simply the question of I am of I am adult and I am an adult citizen, and you know who are you to tell me what to do? Who are you to tell me that you know how to handle my things better? You know we can all point to people who are irresponsible and who are making bad decisions, but that doesn't apply to all of us. And you know I'm really neg- and I'm really wary of. Of, of and I, I would be really wary of having the government say, have the power to say these people are incapable of making good decisions because that might land on me. You know, guys, I, I think also Tom, when something you mentioned a little bit earlier, and when I was when I was going to kick in, but um, I, I think that we also um, run into this issue of kind of having your cake and eating it too, which is. A lot of times, my solution to something that we would both agree to as a problem is, well, stop interfering with the rights of other people to solve those problems on their own. So we decide that we value certain things over other things. Now, a really good example of that is your little sisters of the poor, right? Mm -hmm. So on the left, you say, why don't conservatives care about poor people? And I say, well, they do. For instance, you have this group of nuns who gets together and says, we're going to help the poor people. And they say, yeah, but those people discriminate against gays or those people discriminate against single mothers or those people discriminate against people who want abortions. And so we're going to shut them down. And I say, well, okay, but those are people who are helping the poor. And, and, and so your val- you are choosing to value your ideology of um, a particular value which is abortion or gay or homosexuality or you know something like that over uh, over that that idea of helping the poor and what and what I would say is allow people to do their own thing i mean there are certain egregious maybe again kind of getting back to that bill of rights things you don't allow the government to discriminate against people but maybe some of these things we have to allow on an individual level, even with, even if you may disagree with it, you allow it on an individual level, understanding that people are going to have their own solutions to things. So I might tolerate, even if I strongly disagree with the Little Sisters of the Poor's discrimination against abortions, now I might agree with it, and I think anyone who listens to this podcast knows I agree with it, but I might strongly disagree with it, and I might, all, but then I, I might also say, hey, listen, it's not like they're the only operation in town i'm going to allow that i'm not going to say stop doing the charity work that you're doing because you disagree with my preference on things and so a conservative solution to something a lot of times is to point out that the liberal solution to certain problems creates other problems because you want to solve this problem of a discrimination that you think that you see the unforeseen consequence of that is a greater is is you're taking away what is actually more of a free market or individualized solution to a different problem, which exacerbates that problem. And then you say, now we have to deal with that problem. And my solution sometimes is to say, well, stop interfering at all and allow people to come up with their own problem, their own solutions to problems. And actually, you'll find that we do a much better job of it. 
Right, because they're more directly affected by it. And it needn't work out every time that way, but it, you know, it just needs to work out more often than not. So, so here's the example I was coming up with, and, and man, I, I, this is embarrassing, but I, I, I forget the specifics with. Well, okay, Hypothet- Going back to thinking of Obamacare and of the contraception mandate. For the moment, let's stipulate that that providing contraceptives as part of an insurance plan is a good idea. I actually don't think that, but let's assume that for the moment. Okay, but should we make nuns pay for contraceptives? If if we say, you know, uh, the obvious answer is, well, no, of course not. That's ridiculous. Okay, but that's what the law said. Okay, fine. We'll make an exception there. Right, you, I think you the because of that imperfect knowledge right. that we were discussing earlier, right. you end up but, making but, a generalized rule, and then and then finding that you have to make all these exceptions and carve outs. And exactly, then you have to do that times a billion. Wait a minute, <laughs> where are we? Exactly, exactly. You know, in in order to provide better health care to nuns, we force them to buy contraceptives, um, and and. And it, it, you know, that's an egregious example, but it's that times times a billion because when you're imposing, when you don't, uh, again, think of all the times we've said I could do that jo- guy's job better. Yeah. And and the answer is is that you know maybe you're probably right in identifying what that guy is doing badly in his job, but you're probably not aware of all the other things he's doing that you would probably be crap at. <laughs> you you shouldn't have called that play where Russell Wilson threw the pass right down the middle at the last, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's eliminate that guy. Exactly. Right. So, it, you know, not, nine times out of ten, we find out that a situation is actually more complicated than we initially appreciated. Yeah. And or it's, it's, more, it's always, it's not even nine times out of ten, it's almost yeah, it's ten always. times out of ten more complicated than than what is immediately apparent, right? I mean, how many times that situation? I mean, whenever you get in an argument with someone, whether it's you know a friend or a or, or your you know or your spouse or something, you know, if you're a thoughtful person, at some point you'll say, "Oh crap!" You know, I I didn't really appreciate you know the point the other person was making earlier, and right. you know, you're I probably should... somewhere. R- right, people and, and, you are know, not irrational. <laughs> Right, almost always, and, and and that also applies to me. And it, it may be that I, you know, usually we are missing more things than we pick up on, even if the things we pick up on are real. And we end up getting into these. And the more you do top-down solutions and and tell people that you know better than they do, um, the more often you're going to, you know, you'll prevent you know some real genuine harms. You know, there are people that I know better than. There are people that. Ryan and Terry know better than, um, but there's a I lot don't people... actually believe that. <laughs> I'm not joking. I don't Terry... actually believe that. Uh, there are there are specific things that you I, are I capable are th- of making better decisions on. I, I, think, I definitely I mean, feel that way in my own life. According to someone else, like I really don't feel that way. Like I don't feel ever. Like I don't feel that there's this mystical panel of experts that can. Uh, no, but in specifics, right. in specifics, you would say that you know how to make a better decision about geology than Maybe. I do. I mean, you know, but does Sorry, it do matter? You think you're making better, do you think you're ma- making better decisions than somebody who's who's addicted to meth? I don't know. Uh, 
I'd be willing to say probably. I mean, sure, to meth. you could say <laughs> okay. probably, but I like I seriously, I don't know. That's why okay. I don't want to impose anything on anybody. Like maybe fair, fair, maybe that head knows something that I don't know. I I I complete I I think in the specific I might disagree with you, but as a general rule, <laughs> I totally agree with you. With but, you on that one. Uh, okay, but but I would say that the I would say most most of these issues are not as simple as are you addicted to meth? Right. It's <laughs> and, all and trade-offs, and it's all unforeseen consequences. Isn't is a simple issue. I think many people think that it's a simple issue, but I think yeah, again, this I mean it's a, it all plays into the same thing and goes to the same place. The fact of the matter is when you try and make decisions for other people, you're going to do the wrong thing plenty of times. That's mm-hmm. why it's better to just let people make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Because then cannot, at least you cannot least do then, that and you cannot do that and alleviate the consequences of their no. decisions. No, you can't. And, that, an and that's what I mean. Even scenario. then, if you fail, at least you know. And and this is probably no comfort to people that don't value these things. For me, failing, at least failing, I know that I did it and it was my decision. If you fail because of something that you had to do or that you were never allowed to do, think about how much worse of a feeling. We don't know that feeling because everybody that we know, that we grew up with, the people that raised us, the people who raised them – all of them already know that they can do whatever they want, that they're free. They, they take it so far for granted that they forget that there's a, a flip side feeling where you are powerless to make your own decisions. You don't get somebody to make decisions in this benevolent dictatorship way. They wanted to make their own decisions to fail, and they weren't allowed to. And that is an infinitely worse feeling than failure. I think that... Um friends of ours who have decided to listen to this podcast are getting definitely now that that terry i agree with you on the ideology of course because we're on basically the same side but there is number one a freedom as a value which i think leads to a lot more libertarianism and then there is also a a freedom as an information provider which is that hayek thing um and also kind of adam smith's invisible hand type stuff which is a little bit more where Tom and I have been going with it. Um, those two different perspectives form really a basis of what you see on, on the conservative right, wouldn't you both say? Yes, with the you know, uh, politics is always messy. Politics is is you know, that there there's uh, I, I'd say that 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 hits the philosophical that hits the philosophical point with the provisio that. All politics is messy, and you can all you can put, you can always find exceptions to that. It is a super broad spectrum, which is why I have uh, I, why I'm hoping to divide this podcast up, this series up into four, uh, three or four parts, and we're over our time. <laughs> Thank you, Tom, for coming and talking to us. You'll be back again, and we're going to have Sean here as well, and and Jamie can come, and anybody else. Who wants to come and, and talk about the more broad philosophical points I think it's really good for people to hear and I think it's really fun to discuss so anybody who's listening who wants to ask any kind of challenging questions and 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 Tom share it share it with the friends who asked the questions because they might have follow-ups to what we said um, I'd love to hear it from everybody but good talk guys